I'm telling you, anybody glad you came to church today? I am too, man. Well, welcome to the final week of Ghost Stories. I, I, I pray, man, uh, you know, some of y'all are just glad the Ghost Brothers finally got saved. <laughs> I am too. I am too. Uh, but, man, I, I hope you've, you've gotten something out of this. Hope you've taken notes. Uh, every message is, is on our podcast. Thank you. Amen. Uh, every message is on podcast. You want to go back and refresh or kind of rehear uh, what we're doing, man, I encourage you to do that. I want to welcome April uh, for that, that is blasting this service in New Hampshire. Hey, April, turn it up. Turn it up. She's blasting it in her neighborhood. Uh, it might get loud. Amen. Hey, uh, there, there was this guy and his girlfriend, they were walking on the beach, uh, uh, and, and his girlfriend just whole happened to be blonde, and, uh, but she was intently listening to this podcast, had her earbuds in, had her iPhone, and was intently listening to this podcast, and her boyfriend was kind of getting frustrated with her, because I mean, she's constantly listening to this, never talks to me, never, I'm constantly telling her to take it off, turn it off, she doesn't listen to me, so one day he just like, man, he got tired of it, he ripped the earbuds out of her ear, took her iPhone, and just threw it, and within minutes, she fell over dead. The guy boyfriend's like, what in the world? He called, they call the paramedics ambulance. They get there, man, and they look at the woman. And then they see her iPhone, and they, they hear the podcast playing. And they're like, what is she listening to? And it says, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Hey, Casey Meth explained that joke to Tiffany. She's looking at me confused. Hey, listen, you may not agree with me on anything I say for the rest of the message, but I guarantee you can agree with me on this. Breathing is important. Come on, right? Breathing is essential to life. It's a necessary part of life because when you stop breathing, you die. You die. So it is a necessary part of life. If, if you want to live, continue living, there's a simple principle that you must follow. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. In fact, let, let's practice that. Okay, everybody sit up straight for me. Come on, participate. Now, I want you to take a deep breath in. You ready? Hold it. Now, let it out. Let's do it again. You know, isn't it amazing just when you take time to just deeply breathe in and breathe out, it can change your attitude. It can change your outlook on things. In fact, if somebody's kind of losing control or freaking out, what do they tell them? Just breathe breathe in, breathe out. Come on, just breathe. Breathe in and breathe out. Here's a pop quiz. Um, when you breathe in, what, what are we as human beings, what are we breathing in? Oxygen is life to us, right? But what do we breathe out? Carbon dioxide, and carbon dioxide is toxic to us. It's toxic to us. 
We breathe in oxygen and we breathe out toxins. We breathe out poison. We breathe out stuff that that if we held it in after a while, it would kill us. So uh, what what does that have to do with Holy Spirit? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, In the Hebrew language, the dominant word used for spirit is rak, rak. No, you say Ruach, but I looked at the Hebrew language and I did the little thing that he tells me how to say it. Now, I don't have the Ruach. But if it helps, we'll say Ruach. Ruach. Either way. In the Greek language, it's Numa. Both the Hebrew and the Greek have this dominant meaning to both of them. Wind, spirit, and breath. Wind, spirit, and breath. And the general idea of both these words, Greek or, or, or Hebrew, is this. It brings life. It brings uh, uh, something into, into us. It brings vitality into us. So when it comes to Holy Spirit, if you're like me, most, how many, almost all the teaching you ever heard of the Holy Spirit has come from the New Testament? Acts 2, we hardly ever hear anything. In fact, I can't remember one that I've, were Old Testament. So it leaves you question, what, what was uh, Holy Spirit a wall in the Old Testament? What, was he not there? Was he not active? Was he not going uh, or, or operating in the Old Testament? No, he absolutely was. Get this, the phrase Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh, is mentioned in the Old Testament in over two dozen passages. Over two dozen passages. When you dive into the Old Testament and you see see the Spirit of God would come upon individuals and, and different times and breathe life into them, it would equip them, it would empower them for certain things. So what's the biggest difference between Holy Spirit, Old Testament, Holy Spirit, New Testament. Well, Old Testament Holy Spirit would come upon a peep, uh, an individual at a certain time, give them abilities beyond their own uh, uh, limited capacities. He would come upon certain people at certain times and places and then leave. In the New Testament, Holy Spirit lives within every follower of Jesus. He wants to be alive and active in every follower of Jesus. When you study and you read about Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, there are four things that I believe he operated. He did then, and I believe he's still active and doing today. If you're taking notes, and I highly encourage it, the first thing he does is this. Holy Spirit brings life. Man, you, you experienced it this morning. Some of you walked in here, I'm just going to church. And then something happened. Something shifted in you. He brings life. We see this played out in Genesis. Uh, Bring up Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed a man, Adam, from the dust of the ground and did what? Breathed into his rock, rock, however you want to say it. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Think about this. Out of all the things that God created, only human beings did he breathe his breath into. Only human beings. 
that he breathed his spirit into. Anybody ever wonder why God basically, instead of just, hey, I've created this, he's dust, he's a, he's a clay, he looks, I'm going to bring him to life, I'm just going to snap my fingers. Why did he basically perform the first mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on Adam? Why didn't God just, hey, just do it? I believe the reason that God did this way is because he wants to know his desire was not to just create some inanimate object that did whatever he said. He wanted to create a living being, human beings that, that had the choice to love. It doesn't say that man became when God breathed into them, man became some uh, animated tissue or some other adjective, uh, adjective you want to use. It said man became a living person, a living soul. Get this. The God of the universe got down on his knees and breathed life into mud. That's amazing to me. One, one writer, uh, that, you know, one, one writer said it like this, Leonard Sweet, who wrote uh, Quantum Spirituality, he called that the kiss of God. And I'll give you a little, little more uh, thinking when you sing that line, uh, heaven met earth with a sloppy wet kiss. I mean, the kiss of God. One writer said it like this. When the Old Testament refers to the spirit of God, life is intended because vitality and aliveness is the essence of spirit, especially the spirit of God. Holy Spirit brings life. Look how the psalmist said in Psalms 104. When you take away their breath, they die. Remember what we said? You quit breathing, you die, and they turn again to dust. But when you give them your breath... Life is creative. The psalmist says, hey, if you don't have breath, you're just dust. You're just dust. But God comes along. Holy Spirit comes along, breathes his breath into us, and life is creative. The breath of God gives life. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in Ezekiel 37. God takes Ezekiel out to this boneyard, this graveyard, this just, I, I mean, fields upon, they call it a valley of dry bones, because that, that's all it was. And then God, God says, hey, hey, he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives the right answer. Uh, only you know, Lord. You're the only one that knows. Then God tells Ezekiel, hey, okay, prophesy to the bones. Remember what one of the gifts of the Spirit, we talk, the charisma of the Spirit we talked about last week? Prophecy. He says, prophesy to these bones. He said, Ezekiel begins to prophesy. It says, Ezekiel hears a rattling sound and the bones start coming together. Come on now. I'm just telling you, Ezekiel, I would have been, I've been doing with my eyes closed. Because if I saw these bones come up and start, I would be like, okay, God, you on your own. I'm, I'm out of here. These bones begin to come together, and then tissue and muscle begin to come on. And look, look what it says. Ezekiel says, I looked, tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. In other words, they look normal. They look like they were alive, but there was no breath, no ruach in them. That's a picture of Sunday mornings in America. People showing up every week 
And it's a picture of some people in here today, if I'm being honest. Show up, they look right. They say the right things. They're singing the right songs. They've got their Sunday smile on, but they have no breath, no life-giving spirit inside of them. Look what God tells Ezekiel to do next. And he said to me, prophesy to the what? To the what? Breath. Prophesy to it, the spirit, the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Breathe into them that they may live. Verse 10. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. Breath, Ruach, the spirit of God, entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Can I tell you, that's what God wants to do at Watts Bar Church. He wants to breathe into us so much that when we leave here, we leave a vast army of spirit-filled people ready to take this good news out there. That wasn't even the notes. Holy Spirit brings life. Look what Paul says in Romans 8 too. It says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Then look what uh, John 6, 63 says. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Do you read that? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and of life. And look what Jesus prophesied in John 7, 37 and 39. Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds. All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Now, before we go to the next verse, what Jesus is talking, you need to understand who he's talking to. He's talking to people that knew what it was like to live in a dry land that was full of drought. He was talking to the people in Palestine. They knew what it meant, man, to, to have no water, to have nothing. And so he, he, here's what he says. What's he talking about? 39. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. Jesus was telling this group of people, hey, even in the middle of a drought, I can bring life. Even in the middle of when nothing is growing, I can bring life. Breathe. Even in the middle of your darkest times, I can breathe life. Even in the middle, when you're in the middle of your heart hurt, I can breathe life. And that situation you're going through, I can breathe life. Uh, that marriage that is on the rocks that, that you don't know, that, that it's just, or it's just two people living in the same house, no love, no passion, he's saying, I can breathe life. That hopeless situation, I can breathe life into it. Jesus, Holy Spirit, brings life. I'm telling you guys, the problem though, he's breathing. He's telling us to breathe in and breathe out, but we've taken our earbuds out. Thinking we know how to do it. And we're trying to do it on our own power, our own ability. Instead of hearing Holy Spirit say, breathe in, breathe out. Oh, I can do it on my own. Come on. How many times has that failed you? I can do it on my own. 
Same thing happened in Galatia. Uh, that Paul wrote to them in Galatians 3.3. 3, he says, your new life, he's reminding them, your new life began when the Holy Spirit gave you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish on your own? Your life began. This thing started when the Spirit breathed into you. Why are you now taking the earbuds out and trying to do it on your own? Come on now. I know culture tells us to be independent, to do it on our own. We don't need anybody else. But can I tell you, we were created for continual fellowship and complete dependence upon God. John Wesley said it like this. He said that that life in the spirit is a kind of spiritual respiration. It's the exchange of breath. He goes on to say this. We breathe out the putrid air of our sinful being, and God breathes into us the life, purity, and power of his breath. The Holy Spirit brings life. The second thing Holy Spirit does, Holy Spirit gives guidance. Guidance. Anybody remember how he did this when the children of Israel were wandering through the desert? By the day, what did he have for them? Cloud. By night, what did he have for them? Pillar of fire. Pillar of fire. He was guiding. He was giving them direction. And it's funny to me that both cloud and fire in the Bible are both symbols of Holy Spirit. He's giving them guidance. They're symbols. Holy Spirit will give you guidance. I, I, a lot of you have heard this story before, uh, if, especially if you've been there new to the bar luncheon, about how Denise and I, when we uh, first decided to come back home and be pastors, we did not want to be pastors. Uh, period. It was, I mean, we were, we were worship pastors. We were part of a great church out, right outside of Atlanta. We loved what we were doing there. We had been doing that for 20 plus years. And then my dad passed away. Uh, my mom took on the role of senior pastor. But shortly after that, she had a stroke that limited what she could do. And God began to deal with me about coming back. And God had probably dealt with me for more than a year. I just act like it wasn't really him giving me guidance. I did not want God's guidance on this. You ever been there? I didn't want God's guidance. I didn't want Holy Spirit to guide me on this. We were happy. We were comfortable. We had a great church, a great salary. And I didn't have to deal with a lot of people. One of the things, you know, Denise told me when I was beginning to tell her that God believed God was calling us to go back and be pastors. She said, Kelly, you don't even like people. (laughs) She was right. I had the people I liked. And I was like, I know, babe, God's going to have to do some work. But but here's what God began. I remember my brother Chris um, called me and said, hey, do you want to go to a conference with me? Uh, This one-day conference. It was in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, The church that it was at, I love the church. I love the pastor there. And I love hanging out with my brother. And it was free. So I said, yes. And, and so he picked me up uh, there in Swanee, and, and we began to drive, man. And God began, immediately began to deal and give me direction for what mine and Denise's life was going to look like. And I just like, oh, man, no, 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 God. And that whole day, every speaker 
right at me, right? It's like Holy Spirit speaking directly to me about the direction of my life. And he was. I cried pretty much all day long for two reasons. One, because Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And two, because I did not want to go back home and tell Denise what he was telling me about. So I tell my brother, because up to this point, I had not spoken it to anyone. And I tell my older brothers, we're driving back what I felt like Holy Spirit was. And he's, when he, before he dropped me off, he says, Kelly, he said, I'll be praying for you and Denise about the direction of your life for wisdom. So I get home. Denise is in the garage. And I did not ask Holy Spirit for direction on how to approach her. I just went in and pretty much told her what God was telling us to do, that God was telling us it was time for us to move back to Tennessee. And my wife said, well, you can go, but me and the kids are staying here. (laughs) And we uh, went on to have a big argument, heated debate. That sounds better than argument. A heated debate. I walked away from that angry, and I was like, okay, God, you deal with her. I walked away, and the Holy Spirit began to immediately kick my tail. He said, Kelly, I've been talking to you with, about this for over a year. And you finally come to grips with what I want, but you expect to go in there, throw it up on her in five to ten minutes, expect her to be okay with it. And God began, the Holy Spirit began to give me guidance. I walked in, I said, you know what, honey, I apologize. I tell you what, when you're ready to talk about it, we'll talk about it. And God and Holy Spirit began to work in ways, even speaking through our senior pastor that knew nothing about what I was considering, pulling me into office. He, I, I remember I come in, it's probably two or three weeks after that. I come into the office and my pastor, Pastor Victor says, Kelly, let me see you in my office real quick. And I assumed he wanted to go over a new series or something that we were going to be doing. Walked in. He says, man, you're not happy here. I said, oh, I'm very happy here. He said, no. He said, "Uh, God is telling you it's time to go back home and take over where your dad left off. And after we talked, he knew nothing about, again, this Holy Spirit giving him guidance to give me guidance. And I said, Pastor, if you really believe that's God, you're going to have to tell my wife. And so Holy Spirit began to move through Pastor Victor and speak into my wife and giving us direction and guidance. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit will bring direction for your life. But you have to slow down and quiet yourself enough to hear what he's saying. And that's what I had to do with Denise. She was dead. No, no, this is not Holy Spirit. And I had to be willing to back up. It's like, hey, Holy Spirit, you speak. You speak to her. I'm telling you, I want to live my life in such a way, guys, and be so under the influence of the Holy Spirit that, that when I speak, people will know, man, that's God speaking. It's Holy Spirit. I, I want to be able to say what King David said at the end of his life. King David is close to death. He knows it. He knows that this is probably the last words he's going to be able to address to his nation. And look what he says in 2 Samuel 23 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. I want that to be some of my last words. I want people that know Kelly to say, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through him. 
It was on his tongue. I, I, I love this. Just before he dies, King David pauses and he breathes out all the fear and anxiety that knowing your last days are close. And he breathes in the spirit, the peace, the wisdom and guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit. He gives guidance and direction. The third thing, the Holy Spirit gives creative ability and insight. Creative ability and insight. In Exodus 31, I'm so glad, Angie, you're here this morning because I'm going to address something that I got a text from your husband about. <laughs> so, in Exodus 31, God begins to give Moses some instructions about building the tabernacle. The tabernacle, if you're not familiar, it was an important part of their culture. It's, it's where Israel would gather for worship, and it was a symbol and a reminder of the presence of God in their lives. Look what God said to Moses when he's getting ready to build the tabernacle. Exodus 31, 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God. Then look at this. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Then he goes on, verse 4, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. The Holy Spirit transformed Basilel into the very first chip gains. A master craftsman. I mean, he, he let, me, let me put it today. He does that through Candace every week here at the church. Every set design, every drama we put on, every painting on the wall. He is, it is the Holy Spirit working through Candace. That's all right. That's why every time I introduce different ministries at our church, you wonder why the creative, our creative director is mentioned because it's a ministry. It's a ministry. Here God tells Moses, I filled this guy, Bezalel, with, this, with my spirit, and he's going to be able to cre create this unbelievable tabernacle. He's going to design. Can you imagine getting the contract for that? The pressure. That would be on you. You want me to design and build the place God lives. Come on now. But what does Bezalel do? He pauses. He breathes out all his, all his thoughts of I'm not good enough to do this. He breathes out his insecurities. And he breathes in the spirit of God. And he designs and builds this incredible tabernacle. So incredible that when people saw it, they were in absolute awe of it. Let me stop here. And you thought you were just good at building things. And you thought you just had a knack for painting. For designing. You thought you just had a knack for knowing what goes with what. You thought working was, with cars was just a hobby, just came naturally. You thought being able to do things with your wood. You thought being able to be there in someone in their darkest, hurtful moments and be able to be a comforter for them, Angie, was just something you do. 
No, that day when I told you you had a gift, I was watching Holy Spirit work for you to bring comfort to Camille that day. And that's why I said, you have got a gift in this area. You thought, no, Holy Spirit wants to work with you. Even if you're uh, uh, one of those birds that gets your hands greasy. Holy Spirit wants to use that. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit has given each of you certain gifts and abilities. And he wants to bring those things to life and, and use you in those areas. The fourth thing Holy Spirit does, I'm going to hurry. Man, because the worship team took all my time up today. No, we <laughs> go. Holy Spirit, how dare you interrupt the service? No. Fourth, the Holy Spirit gives supernatural power and strength. Several places I could go to in the Old Testament where we see this, but two of my favorites. One of my favorites, Gideon. Anybody familiar with Gideon's story? Uh, in Judges, the nation of Israel is being attacked by the Midianites. The people are living in fear because the Midianites were, were, they were vicious people. And then an angel of the Lord shows up and says these seven words to Gideon. Pull that scripture up, Judges 6.12. I want everybody to read it. Say it with me. The Lord is with you. Oh, we can do better than that. Say it again. The Lord do you know what Gideon's response was to that? You've got the wrong place. You've got the wrong man. Are you talk, Is there somebody behind me that's a mighty warrior? Because I know me. In fact, he goes on to say, God, the, the, the clan that I belong to, they're the weakest of all of them. And I'm the weakest in my clan. You, surely you've got the wrong person that you're calling mighty warrior. But then you jump down to verse 34, and there's this interesting sentence that says this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. What made the difference? Spirit of the Lord. The Hebrew reads it like this. The Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. I love that. In other words, Gideon became a man possessed by the Spirit of God. Somehow, Gideon breathed out all his fears, all his inadequacies, his feeling of being less that had been ingrained in him throughout the years of his life. And Gideon breathed in the Spirit of God this supernatural courage that enabled him to take 300 men, get this, armed only with trumpets and a clay pot holding a candle. And he defeated a vast army with just that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave him supernatural power and strength. What about Samson? Come on. Again, the nation of Israel is being oppressed. This time it's by the Philistines. They've humiliated God's children, and God raises up a man by the name of Samson. And get listen, I don't personally believe that Samson was this hulk of a man, but wasn't green. I believe that's what made his strength so supernatural. And when people looked on his eye, I, th I think he looked just like an average ordinary man with long hair. And then when people saw the great feats, they were like, how in the world could this man do that? But, but, but I, I think that's why people couldn't figure it out. But look at Judges 13, 25. The spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. 
When you, you jump to Judges 15, and it's talking about this group of Philistines. They're trying to trick him, and they're like, Sam's like, hey, if I let you tie me up, you're just going to hand me over, no harm. Well, he, he kind of senses something's going on, and look at Judges 15, 14, and 15. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. Look what happens. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flags, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. How? The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. There are four chapters in Judges that that talk about Samson, and all of them describe when the Spirit of God comes upon Samson, what he does, when he tears a lion in half with his bare hands. Come on, that's, that's bad. I mean, even with a bowie knife, I'm having to... With his bare hand, what give it? He takes the gates. Now, I'm not talking about these gates you see. These were massive. He takes the gates of the city of Gaza, puts them on his, uh, pulls them off their hinges, puts them on his shoulders, carries them approximately 38 miles uphill. Eventually, he falls away. You know the story. But then at the end of his life, he's praying, and the Holy Spirit once again comes upon him. And he kills more of their enemy in that one setting than in his whole life. I'm telling you, all these were possible as long as Samson walked in obedience, as long as Samson breathed out his own limitations his own desires, and breathed into power and strength of God. So was the Holy Spirit a wall in the Old Testament? Absolutely not. He's always been present. Great story in Numbers 11. And I promise you I'm about to wrap up. Moses has got over 3 million people. He's trying to, to pastor and, and uh, in Numbers 11, uh, Moses appoints these 70 elders to help share the responsibilities of his congregation. And here's what God told Moses, Numbers 11:17. He says, I'll come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you, and I'm going to put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. See, up to this point, Moses was the only one the Holy Spirit would come upon. And that people, my Holy Spirit, Moses was the only one Holy Spirit worked through, spoke through. But watch what happens in verse 25 in Numbers 11. The Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But look, but this never happened again. Here's what's crazy, though. There were two elders that weren't present that day the 70. Their names were Eldad and Medad. They began to prophesy in the camp. Uh, Then you've got Joshua, Moses' right-hand man. He goes to Moses, hey, hey, Eldad and Medad, they're down there prophesying. Uh, Tell them to stop, to stop it. And what he was saying is, Moses, you're the one the people look to you. They don't need to be seeing this happen to everybody, but look what Moses tells him. In, numbers 20, in verse 29, Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? 
I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Most of them make them stop. Are you kidding me? I wish all of them had the spirit of God fall upon them. I wish they were all prophets. In fact, one of the prayers of the people in the Old Testament was that God would pour his spirit out upon all flesh. In, in Job 2, 28, 29, he says this, and the prophecy comes true. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. God says, get ready, the day's coming. The day's coming. There are going to be no social barriers to this. There are going to be no gender barriers, no racial barriers, no social status. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Doesn't matter age. Doesn't matter ethnicity. It doesn't matter if you're poor. Doesn't matter if you're rich. I'm going to pour it out upon all people. Man, that's what I want to happen here. That's what I, I have sensed this so much over the past few weeks of God just setting us up for that kind of outpouring. We talked about this after Jesus' resurrection and just before his ascension, and he's meeting with his disciples. They're locked in a room, and he makes this statement, John 20, 21, 22. Jesus shows up. He said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And watch what Jesus does next. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed. Here in John, when, here in, the, in this chapter, when John uses this verb for breathe, it's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. But it's the same verb used when it says God breathed into Adam life. It's the same verb that gets used when he said prophesy to the bones and breathe, breath, prophesy to the breath to come in and fill them. It is the same verb that he is using. And what John is letting us know is that before, before God ever came to earth wrapped in flesh, he got down on his knees and breathed into mud and it became alive. Before he ever came here wrapped in flesh, he breathed into a bunch of bones and they all came to life. And he says, I want that for you, your family, your friends. I want it for all of you. And just as the Father breathed into Adam the breath of life, Jesus in this moment breathed his breath into his disciples. One scholar in the New Spirit-filled Bible said this, the original creation began with the breath of God the Father. The new creation begins with the breath of God the Son. So what do we do? I want to close with this. I want to give you four breathing exercises. And we're going to practice them. Y'all ready? Are you ready? The first breathing exercise is this. Breathe out the sin and guilt of disobedience. And breathe in the grace, forgiveness, and holiness that God offers. Breathe out the sin the guilt of disobedience. Breathe in the grace, the forgiveness and holiness that God offers. Before you ever crawl out of bed, before you start your day, whether you work first or second shift, before you go to school, 
before you start your day as a single or stay-at-home mom or dad, take a moment to breathe out any anger, any jealousy, any unforgiveness, any judgmentalism. Breathe out the toxic things that cause death and deeply breathe in God's grace, mercy, forgiveness. Second breathing exercise. Breathe out the deadness of life as usual and breathe in the adventure of life the way God intended it. I know we're going over, so just stay with me. I told the men this yesterday. Yesterday, we, yesterday marked eight, eight weeks from yesterday will be January 1st, 2022. For 2022, some of you, your life will be radically different for God. Notice I said some of you. I want to say all of you. But the fact is, some of you will get this, run with it, and seek God with everything you've got. And others will be satisfied with life as usual. Normal. And the difference is, you make the choice. Do you breathe out life as usual? Do you breathe out monotony? Do you breathe out yesterday and then breathe in the adventure that God wants for your life? Here's what Jesus said. I love the passions paraphrasing of it. John 10, 10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But here's what I've come to do. Give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. I don't know about you. I want that kind of life. Come on, anybody want a life that is just overflowing? I mean, honestly, listen, I'm one of those, I like participation. Now, if you don't want a life overflowing, keep your hand down. But if you say, I want that kind of life in God, raise your hand. Keep them up. Because I pray for everyone that doesn't have their hand raised, that God would ignite something in you that says, I want something different. I want something different. Let's move. Let's, let's do this quickly. If I can get the team to come on up. Third thing, breathe out the limitations of your own way and breathe in the guidance that God provides. Breathe out the limitations of your own way of thinking you know what's best. Let me ask some of you, how's that worked out for you? I'll just tell you, I've screwed my life up more than anybody else in my life by thinking I knew what was best for it. Breathe in the guidance. Breathe out your human understanding and your reasoning. The last thing, breathe out your inadequacies. Breathe out your inadequacies. Breathe in God's supernatural power and strength. In other words, listen to Breathe out the way you see yourself. 
and breathe in the way God sees you. Paul, I just felt like I didn't tell you that. Breathe out the way you see yourself and breathe in the way God sees you. Quit allowing the enemy to lie to you. Breathe that junk out. Breathe out your promise to failure. Breathe out that thing in you that comes in here and for a few weeks you get it right, you're searching, but then you're prone to just go off track and go back to the way things used to be. Breathe that garbage out and breathe in life that is sustainable through Jesus. Let's close with this. Stand with me. That always makes people feel better. They're like, surely he's closing. He's not going to make us stand that long. There's a great promise in Ezekiel. Because how many know life can do something to your heart that makes it hard? Life can hit you to where you build up walls around your heart because you've been hurt so much. You've been let down by someone. Things have happened that you're like, never again. There's a great promise. Even in the church, it happens. A great promise in Ezekiel says this, 36, 26, and 27. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. If we could get that scripture up, I would, it would be awesome. Because I want everyone to read it. I will give you a new heart. How? Because I'm going to put a new spirit in you. My spirit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. And verse 27 And I will put my spirit in you. My spirit in you. So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I don't know about you, but there have been times when my heart needed tenderized. My heart needed the responsiveness to come back to it because I'd allowed it to grow hard. God says the day's coming and it could be today that I take out that stony, that stubborn heart and I replace it with my spirit. And it's as easy as this. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. in the Spirit of God. Breathe out the failures of your past, the hurt of your past. Breathe in the Spirit of God. Breathe, breathe out those words that have told you you will be never be anything but what you are right now. Breathe in the Spirit of God. Breathe out the memories of the day you were molested, the day you were sexually abused. That's guys and girls.
right now in this moment, breathe in the Spirit of God and breathe out every addictive pattern that has held you captive for so long. Breathe it out. Oh, I need some people praying because Holy Spirit is wanting to do something right here.